Coming up on the Life is a Festival podcast. So it would start by me sparking a conversation. And then after like 20, 30 minutes, they would say, wait, so where are you from? (laughs) Like Morocco. Oh, where is that? (laughs) Or like telling them about, you know, my hats or my dream to go to all 50 states. And even that, I think for them is like, why would you want to go to all 50 states? Like, you know, why would you want to travel on a Greyhound bus just like you just did? So it's actually one question that leads to the next, one answer that leads to the next. And we never know where it's going to go. Um, I never know where every conversation will take me. But I, I stay open and curious and see what unfolds. Life is a festival, only to the wise. Ralph Waldo Emerson. This is Eamon Armstrong, your host of the Life is a Festival podcast. Join me for a series of conversations exploring our collective wisdom to inspire a bold courage for life. Welcome back to Life is a Festival. Today's guest is Yasmin El-Bagari. Yasmin is a young Moroccan entrepreneur who vowed to travel to all 50 U.S. states after a life-changing experience studying abroad in Kansas, and she's only got Alaska to go. She chose to travel by Greyhound bus and to stay in people's homes, all for the sake of cultivating cultural curiosity. Yasmin is the founder and the CEO of Voyage, an online platform that connects people from across the globe for one-on-one meaningful exchanges to foster global understanding. She's spoken at the World Economic Forum, the Middle East Studies Association, and President Obama's Global Entrepreneur Summit. Her work has appeared in BBC, National Geographic, NPR, Forbes, and the Huffington Post. She's also a passionate citizen of Black Rock City. On the podcast, we discuss her travels around the United States, the difference between assimilation and integration, and how to break down the stereotypes we don't know that we hold. This year, Yasmin is going to all 50 states again, hosting dinners where communities can share their stories of migration. Maybe she should start her own podcast. And now, let's get culturally curious with Yasmin el I love the Middle East. Why do you love the Middle East? The hospitality and generosity of people. And what does that mean? What does the hospitality and generosity of people mean? What do they do? Are we starting? Maybe. Maybe this is just the pre-banter. <laughs> well, they welcome you into their homes. They open their doors. They will ask you to eat and to eat more. And more and more. I, I remember hearing something that if you compliment something in a Muslim person's home, that they have to give it to you or something like that. That there's like, <laughs> maybe it's not as stark as that, but there's like a cultural thing where you have to be careful about <laughs> complimenting something so that they don't feel obligated to give it to you. Do you know which country? I don't I This is... This is I made I probably made it up. I have no idea. <laughs> yes. Is there something like that in Islamic culture? 
Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I haven't heard that before. But we are generous. So if you tell me, Yasmin, this is such a beautiful tagine, I would just say, you can have it. <laughs> well, I would love it, tagine. What is that? A tagine? It's yeah. one of the most delicious meals you can you'll ever eat. Uh, it's it's a traditional Moroccan cuisine um, called a tagine. <laughs> well, what is it? What is it like? Meat? I feel like there might be oranges in it, or maybe Actually, that's just like I'm thinking tangerine. You can have you can do meat. You could do lamb. You could do chicken. You could do vegetables. You could do vegan dishes. But the tagine is actually the structure in which you cook the food. Oh. Yes. Is that like a clay pot kind of? Exactly. Like, is it a clay pot? Yeah, yes. Oh. And it tastes really good. It's mm, delicious. I'm going to have a tagine later today. Really? Yes. I'm going to have Moroccan food That's for dinner. nice. <laughs> What's your favorite Moroccan restaurant in San Francisco? Well, I just discovered a new restaurant called SF Berber, mm. which is in, I, yeah, it's in the city. And they have the cultural dance and belly dancing. Although belly dancing is not Moroccan. Yeah, I feel like it's... Where does yeah. belly dancing come from? Egypt. Oh. Mm -hmm. Egypt, Lebanon, like more in the, you know, those countries. But Morocco, Moroccan women know how to dance. They're incredible belly dancers. But um, yeah, but it's not our part of our culture. Well, Yasmin, we are going to talk a lot about your culture today and a lot about cultural curiosity. That's right. Um, cultural curiosity. I know. That's, right. a, that's an expression I got from my pal and mentor, Chip Conley. He likes the idea of cultivating cultural curiosity. He's very amazing. Is he, I think I've heard so much about him and I have yet to meet him. Well, I hope you do. So, Yasmin, what would a home run podcast look like for you? If you could influence the audience of this podcast positively, how would you most like to influence them? Well, it's mainly about breaking perceptions and misconceptions about a certain place and expanding people's horizons and curiosity, sense of curiosity. Perhaps by the end, they might want to go to Morocco or the Middle East or Africa or, or maybe just leave their home, you know? Okay, so breaking perceptions. I often have heard that when you're trying to shift a paradigm or shift a perspective, it's not good to focus on the one that you're trying to change. It's good to focus on the new. So breaking a perspective sounds to me like focusing on kind of dismantling an old paradigm. Um, but as I understand it, it's best to, to find a new paradigm that makes the existing one obsolete. It's the Buckminster Fuller line. Um, do you agree with that? Or are we like breaking old paradigms by like that paradigm's wrong and here's how and arguing them out of the old paradigm? That is a very good point and perspective. Um, it really depends on what because my sense is that everybody has a set of preconceived notions about what is, you know, right or um, <clears throat> I don't know if I believe in the concept of wrong, but um yeah, it's interesting because just as I am sharing this, I realize that there are endless possibilities and it's really limitless. And so we can 
choose to have this conversation at different levels. <laughs> the physical, like the cultural, and also the, you know, beyond the beyond. <laughs> I would love to have this conversation on multiple levels. Absolutely. I, I mean, there's nothing, like I'm open, and here I am. I really love your home. It's a beautiful space. And I love that you have a map because it actually gives us a look to the entire world as we dive in into cultural curiosity. What I want to do is I want to just strip that map off the wall completely, and I want to wallpaper that entire wall with an antique map. So the whole wall would be like wallpapered, a sort of like sepia-toned map. Okay, that's very cool. Hmm. Yasmin, where, Yasmin, where were you born? So actually, I was born... You want to point it out on our yeah, map here? right here. Do you see Rabat? Rabat. In Morocco. Um, it is the capital city of Morocco. And I grew up by the ocean. And Morocco borders both the Mediterranean and the Atlantic Ocean, as many might know. But yeah, that's where I grew up, in a small town. I recently took a train from Casablanca to Rabat. How was that? Delightful. Basically, I'll give you the story real quick, because the podcast is about you, but it's a pretty fun <laughs> story. And it's a good story to illustrate Morocco, actually. So I had escaped from Gabon because I was detained for not having a visa. But they allowed me to to slip out of the country and, and escape to Casablanca. And there was an, a, Gab a Gabonese embassy in Rabat. And so I got up early and I took the train and I went there and um, the man there at the embassy didn't speak English. But there was a super friendly policeman who came by and he was so nice. His name was Hassan um, and he like helped me translate and they were basically like, no, you can't. If you're a friend, if you're, I'm sorry, if you're a Moroccan citizen, you can get a Gabonese uh, visa here. But mm. since you're not a resident, since you have no papers, like we can't do this for you. Um, maybe go to Senegal or whatever. But they couldn't help me. But um, Hassan was so nice. And he was just like, he, he wanted to give me his number so that if I got into any trouble when I was in the country, I could call him. He was like so friendly. And I asked if I could take a photo with him because I had such a nice experience. And he said, no, not in my uniform. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, the hospitality of the Moroccan people. This dude was like so friendly and so happy to help me. I'm so happy to hear. Well, next time you come back to Morocco, I'll, we'll have to host you in our home. My family has opened their doors to so many people from all over the world. So my home is your home. Well, thank you. You're welcome. How long were you in Morocco as a child? Um, I was home for about 17 years. Um, and I left when I was, I learned English when I was 15. And I left when I was 17. And where did you go? <coughs> um, I was working with the U.S. State Department as a young Moroccan ambassador to the United States. And I was placed in the middle of America in Kansas. Wow, right in the middle. Yes. From the Middle it. East to the Middle West. Yeah, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you were in Kansas, though, at that time. What year was that? It was 2010 uh, to 2011 for one year. And what were you doing as a Moroccan ambassador? Were you just teaching the people of Kansas to be more culturally curious? Absolutely. I was giving presentations, and I was living with a host family that had four incredible children who I'm still in touch with every year. I go visit them from time to time. And uh, I was in high school as well. So I was actually educating people in Kansas about Morocco and my, you know, culture. But I also was learning about the American culture um, and high school culture. <laughs> what is the strangest thing about the American culture and high school culture that you learned in Kansas at that time? 
<laughs> you know, um, prom. <laughs> actually, you know what? It was actually it was not so much prom, but it was this dance where the women had to ask. Um, oh, I forgot. Sadie Hawkins dance. Yes, and that was really fascinating, and the creativity was amazing. You know, like to just figure out how to ask. You know. The person to go on a dance with um, was fascinating. Did it you, felt like I was in a Hollywood movie, um, except it was real. <laughs> did Did you ask a boy to go to the Sadie Hawkins dance with you? Absolutely, yeah, Dan, I think uh, his name, and we're still very good friends. He actually went to Morocco after that and traveled the world, and said to me, "Thank you, Yasmin, for inspiring me to travel outside of my country." <laughs> that meant a lot to me. Wow. So you asked him to go to a dance with you, and in exchange, he got a travel bug, <laughs> some wanderlust. Nice. Yeah, I do that. Um, you know, I right after Kansas, I decided to do all 50 states because I figured, why not take a Greyhound bus around the whole country and talk to strangers who, after five minutes, became my friends and my family. So you, were, you said on a bus? Why, why, why you wanna, why you wanna travel around on a greyhound? Well, because think about it. When you go on a plane, you actually are gonna meet people who have some, you know, from a socioeconomic class that is somewhat privileged. And so, but when you go on greyhound buses, you actually meet people from, you know, less privileged communities um, who have, or diverse communities. But you really get a sense of what America is like when you're on greyhound buses because you interact with so many people. Um, from all walks of life, and that's fascinating. It seems like you kind of play a dual role of soaking in the culture of where you are and learning about American culture, and then also being an ambassador for a Moroccan culture. Um, would you say that's like 50-50? When you're traveling around on a Greyhound bus and having conversations with people, did it lean more on the side of trying to learn and hearing people's stories and kind of collecting those stories? Or were you speaking about Morocco and Moroccan culture? Like, how did those conversations play out? Well, that's such a good question. Um, you know, it, it usually it emerges. So it usually starts with me asking a question about, you know, their lives or where they come from or what their dream is. And naturally it would, you know, they would start becoming curious because I think my curiosity would spark their curiosity. So it would start by me sparking a conversation. And then after like 20, 30 minutes, they would say, wait, so where are you from? <laughs> I'm like, Morocco. Oh, where is that? <laughs> or like, telling them about, you know, my hats or my dream to go to all 50 states. And even that, I think, for them is like, why would you want to go to all 50 states? Like, you know, why would you want to travel on a Greyhound bus just like you just did? So it's actually one question that leads to the next, one answer that leads to the next. And we never know where it's going to go. Um, I never know where every conversation will take me. But I, I stay open and curious and see what unfolds. But I would say it's both, 50-50. Yeah. We're going to put a flag in those hats because we're going to come back to oh, the hat hats. thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, when did you first clearly set your goal that you wanted to travel to all 50 states? Um, it was right when I, actually maybe midway through my year in Kansas, um, when I realized how simple it is to break down stereotypes. 
um, that I figured out that if I can do it in Kansas, it will be much easier to do it in all 50 states because there's a perception that Kansas has a lot of, you know, stereotypes <laughs> about the rest of the world. But I realized people are people wherever you are. And so um, I think it was that realization that it's about the human connection and about, you know, having conversations um, that if I can do it here, I can do it anywhere in the world. And so 50 states, uh, you know, it just felt like this incredible dream because I used to watch so many movies that, you know, about the South and the, the North, you know, the Northeast and California and New York. And I just wanted to like have a deep look and immersive experience in all those places through, you know, the local communities and see what happens. So... Is there a structure to like? It, or, or is there like a bucket list for each state? Like, I want to see the, the the biggest, the capital city, or like, or is it just about touching down on each of the fifty states? Actually, it's been very much um, about the people. So I would meet someone who say, "I'm from Arkansas," or "I'm from you know um, Alabama," and I would just basically go to wherever they live. So I would usually be invited to people's homes. So everywhere I go, I stay in people's homes. And I think that has enriched my experience to a level that I wouldn't get if I stayed in a hotel. And so it really matters to me that I go to a place because I've been invited and also because I get to, you know, bring myself, my culture, my, you know, conversations uh, into these like homes and through that, like learn about where they, so if they want to take me to the capital city, great. I am open to, you know, seeing, seeing the Eiffel Tower, but I'm not going to, you know, Paris to see the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to see my friend, you know, Thierry and Jerome and, you know, Nina. <laughs> and they just happen to be in Paris. <laughs> so it's been very much about the people. Is there like a procedure by which you go from the Greyhound bus to being invited in people's homes? Or, or are you just kind of like, I'll have a conversation until someone's like, you can stay with me. <laughs> Usually that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm, there's no structure. It's very authentic. It's very, um, you know, it's evolving. But what's interesting, though, is how the the media has, you know, th this has become a story. Like about Yasmin who's traveling to all 50 states and staying in people's homes. So then when people meet me, they say, hey, you could stay at my home. <laughs> Which I'm like, sure. So, if I'm invited, I will say yes. So pe people know that you're doing this? The people that you meet? Oh, absolutely. Like Yasmin, the, the Moroccan woman who loves the hats, is going to be greyhounding her way around our glorious country. And if you see her, put her up. <laughs> Not like any stranger, but a lot of people I meet, once they learn a little bit about me and they just quickly, you know, realize it's a thing. Yeah. Wow. How many states have you done so far? Well, I've, I pretty much did all of them, except Alaska that I'm uh, going to in July, end of July. Yeah, you can't. My last state. Greyhound to Alaska is a bit much. Um, yeah. You might have to fly there. So <laughs> I will wait, be you, you did all of them? Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. I know this is uh, a little tricky question here, but what's your favorite state? I know it's a very tricky question um, because you know I love I love California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love California, yeah. but I also love Kansas. You know, there's something about Kansas that just. I'm so happy that I lived there for a year because it just has introduced me to, 
a culture of like hospitality and you know people have space they have time they say hello like it's so nice and i love going back because it reminds me of the simplicity of life um you know in california it's it's amazing but everyone is running around <laughs> there is no i guess no that's that might be You know, it's different. There, there are different communities within California. Yeah, California is big. Yeah, California is big. But go, go up to the far north of California. You'll see a totally different vibe. Yes, but it's fun. Every, every, every different, you know, city culture is different. And then every person is different. And, you know, we're all like similar, and, but yet we all have a story to share. And I can go into people's realities just by listening to them and, you know, being open to that experience. And it's wild. It's amazing. <laughs> so I recently read. I'm I'm into this. Th I'm into this thing called meta modernism lately, and um, I know, right? Well, I don't know what that means. Yeah, neither do I. Um, and <laughs> and I heard this sort of meta modern perspective. You know the thing like he who dies with the most toys wins. Do you know that expression? Have you ever heard that? I don't think oh, so. Oh, it's pretty It's pretty awful. Um, so first of all, it's he who dies with the most toys. So it gives you a sense of where what paradigm that's coming out of. But um, basically, it, the idea in the past that you, know, you make a lot of money, you buy a lot of things, and you're sort of like, if life is a game, you win by accumulating a lot of things. So then obviously that's not where we're at now. Now the paradigm is more experiences. It's more about collecting right. experiences. Mm -hmm. And the meta-modern thing that I read was It's better to collect experiences than things, but it's better to collect perspectives mm -hmm. than experiences. Oh, I love it. Yes. Right? Isn't yes. that cool? Yes, absolutely. But then you, I, for me, it's about being able to hold different perspectives while being discerning about your own. So you don't get, you know, you're not assimilating, you're integrating, you're understanding people's lives and realities, but it's not affecting your perception of what life is because it differs from one person to the next. And I think I'm realizing recently that the more I, you know, the more I'm exposed, the less I know. And that is a wild thing because I've been, I mean, I'm 26 and I've been to most countries, like I've traveled so much and I've been exposed. And yet, as I get older, I feel like I don't know much, which is interesting. I think that's a common experience in one's 20s to be like, wow, I'm learning so much. And that makes me realize I know nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to know is not enough. <laughs> well, I like this idea. You were talking about assimilation versus integration. Mm -hmm. um, can you explain how one discerns in that way? Because I am very susceptible to other people. Um, how do you hold your center amongst all of these myriad perspectives? Well, I feel like the first step is one to know yourself. You have to know who you are, I mean, and what your values are. So then you decide um, in every experience whether you want to, you know, ex like assimilate to that environment um, or you just want to integrate in, in which you will be there in the physical space, but you're not going to take part of, you know, whatever... Uh, belief systems or values or uh, experiences they want to have or invite you to. So you could say no, which is, you know, you, you realize how powerful that is to, to say yes, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> no, thank you. And so that has been uh, incredibly, um, it has supported me a lot in my, in my life because, um, you know, I come from Morocco and we, we do have a set of cultural beliefs and values that I actually really love and, Um, respect 
that don't always match with the Western, you know, uh, perspectives or values. So I'm always in this like dance um, to figure out like, okay, what feels true to me and make a decision based, based on that. Um, yeah. Do you have any fun stories about any particularly like kooky, wild, strange people that you met on Greyhound buses traversing the U.S.? Um, yes, I, <laughs> you know, I, I love, I love people. So it's hard for me to think of anything being awkward. But one of the best experiences I've had was uh, staying with a family that was, um, you know, they were truck drivers. And I realized that there was a whole truck driver community. You know, like think about all the trucks around America, like their community of, you know, people who meet in different checkpoints. So I got to experience that and be on the truck and, you know, ride <laughs> for a couple hours. And, <laughs> you know, it was it was fascinating to to have that inside look into someone someone's reality. We, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we are quite concerned about truck driver culture in the U.S. at the moment because, yeah. you know, automated, automated trucks are going to bump about 3 million people out of the workforce. And not only the truck drivers themselves, but also all the different services along the truck driving routes. So there are some friends that you made on your journey who could potentially be out of a job in the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I hear that. Um, but, you know, I, I trust that, um, you know, as the world evolves and change, like everybody's gonna have to learn new skills to adjust to different environments and to the evolution of our planet. So I will make sure to reach out to them and see how they feel. Do, do you stay in touch with the people you met on your journeys? Do you? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Um, I definitely stay in touch. And I actually, this year, I'm going to all 50 states again with my immigration lawyer and friend. And we're actually hosting dinners um, bringing different communities together. And so they will be invited as I go to the different states. <laughs> Have you considered, are you going to be making any like video, writing a book? Are you going to do like a podcast? I might want to do a podcast. Oh, yeah, no. I might have to just bring you along. <laughs> <laughs> bring me along to interview. <laughs> to all 50 states. I'm a regular American dude going to all 50 states. <laughs> you would change your, your voice perhaps. And, oh, yeah. You know, have, it would be great to assimilate into the different accents uh, when you're in the South versus, All right, yeah. you know, that could so be fun. So when I'm in the South, I can kind of get a little <laughs> something going on. You it's know, the, amazing. The problem with an accent is that it sounds real good when you're not in the location you are mimicking. <laughs> it's so true. But the minute you get there, they're like, you, sir, are a liar and you need to leave. <laughs> that That's is true. Yeah. We're actually heading to um, Georgia uh, this in, in the next couple of days. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it because the, the conversation we're having is around migration, is around, you know, where we're from, why did we leave or why did we stay? And the stories are fascinating. You realize we've all left our homes at some point, if not us, our parents or grandparents. So we all have a migration story. So what and what's the project? These dinners are what is are you? collecting information for something or are you just having them for yourself what's the project well it really is to connect people where they live and also to create a sense of possibility because 
you know what Cheryl and I realize is we have these incredible people everywhere, but they don't know each other. So when we show up and we bring communities together, when we leave, they stay connected, collaborations are born, new possibilities are are here. And so we, our intent is that one is curiosity. We, we just love bringing people together. That's it. <laughs> what happens after that is, you know, is on their own. But um, this is our life's mission to bring people together from diverse perspectives. And this is also what you do professionally with your company Voyage. Absolutely. Yes? Tell yes. me about Voyage. Well, Voyage is really born um, out of this experience of visiting so many families around the world and realizing that I want to uh, provide that same experience to others. So we've built a platform that essentially connects people from diverse perspectives and get them to interact together offline. And so we're working with different communities um, and bringing people together in different countries and doing that online and offline. And what has been, what are you most proud of in terms of what Voyage has been able to accomplish so far? Breaking down perceptions, breaking down stereotypes. It's that moment when you, when you're, perspective expands on you when you have the aha moment of like oh wow I didn't know that or like oh my god is this how it is there or oh I didn't know that blah 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 so that those moments of like awareness uh, that's for me the voyage mission is when we're able to uh you know find commonalities in the midst of our differences and voyage trips are typically international well, Voyage is a platform, so anybody could sign up uh, within these communities and connect with someone from a you know different country. But we have also experimented um, with trips in which I brought people in and out of countries. Um, so it's an evolution. I have piloted different ideas, and right now in its current evolution, I'm building an app that would match people based on their values and differences to have meaningful, authentic connections from around the world. So you are a young woman entrepreneur from Morocco. I am young and I am a woman. I am an entrepreneur and I am Moroccan. Indeed, <laughs> those um, are my identities. <laughs> do you, does that is that identity commonly sort of trumpeted in terms of the by the people that you're working with or by the conferences that you're speaking at? Do you often feel like you're speaking from the perspective of that identity? Um, are you pigeonholed at all in that identity? What is, it, what is it like to hold those characteristics in your work that you're doing? That's a really great question. I, you know, I'm a strong believer in you know, holding different perspectives while maintaining your own, but I do adapt. I do adapt based on the audience, based on who I'm talking to, um, I share different stories. So I can talk about, you know, consciousness and evolution um, and speak from that place, but I can also adjust to the cultural environment and adapt to whatever is understandable by that local culture. So if I talk about, you know, mind expansion and awareness and intent, like that might not be understood um, in, you know, middle of, I don't know, Arkansas or Alabama, I don't know. <laughs> there might be a perception right there, making a stereotype that people don't understand these conversations. But I have my own stereotypes that I'm constantly breaking down as I'm having conversations with different people. Where do the pieces of a stereotype go when you break them down? I have this idea of like you're chewing and metabolizing something. So you have a stereotype, you break it down. What remains of the stereotype? Nothingness. <laughs> Nothingness. Nothingness, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps the fertilizer of new friendship. It's exactly. Ooh. It's deeper connection. I really believe that when we break down the silos or the illusion of separation, 
Uh, but that might this illusion of separation might be too edgy to say. Um, but you know what I mean, and I think most people will. But um, you know, it really creates a deeper connection within ourselves and with the other, quote unquote, because we start to realize our interconnectedness. We're not we're not really separate. But again, that goes into another level of conversation. <laughs> I do believe that we're all one. I do believe we're all interconnected, and. Um, these are my beliefs. <laughs> Not everyone has to agree, but I, I generally, yeah, feel like life is happening right now. It's happening here. Be- there's beauty everywhere. People are incredible. Everybody has a story. And if you just slow down and take time to listen and ask questions, magic happens. The guaranteed. <laughs> so, a-, a stereotype is similar to any other blind spot. You just believe that that's the truth and that's the way of things. So how can someone break down their own stereotypes? Can you give us like an algorithm, a procedure, a one, two, three step to identify, observe, and dismantle our stereotypes to become more culturally curious? That's beautiful. Um, well, the first, I would say the first thing is, you know, take time to be. <laughs> just what does that mean that means just pause pause take a moment you know let your mind just kind of calm you know and then become aware of your environment what is around you who are the people and what would it be like to step outside of yourself and go say hello to someone you've never met on the streets or on a bus or on a train or on a plane and not let the conversation end in the, hi, what do you do? Or, you know, where are you from? But, um, you know, get curious about their their outfit or their hat, um, maybe their accent. <laughs> and let yourself, you know, ask more and more questions and become aware of, of the conversation as it's happening. And I think naturally that will um, take you. You, you, would, you will, you're not even going to be thinking anymore because it's just happening. Um, so I don't know if that's simple. <laughs> it sounds simple. Getting out of your bubble, um, observing your conditioning, uh, breaking down stereotypes, anything to do with our blind spots is extremely difficult. And it's difficult because how do you know what you don't know that you don't know? Yes. Well, so if you know that, right, then how can you, when you wake up every day, ask yourself that question and say, how, how am I, who can I meet today or who am I? life will bring me to, I don't know, just meet someone who I never met and learn something about them. And it could be people that you actually know, because most of the time, we're not asking deep questions to people around us. So uh, find questions like outside of the norm, like, you know, what is your biggest fear? Or, you know, what is something exciting that happened in the last week? Um, or perhaps I can actually provide a list of questions, but there's so many authentic questions that you can ask people that they, and, and I know it's common here in California, people do ask those questions, but um, imagine doing that in your hometown, where you come from. Where are you from, by the way? Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, I was just there. Oh, yeah, it's nice yeah, there. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I, hmm, it would be amazing to, you know, go to San, Santa Fe and talk to the local community there, people on the streets and ask them questions. It's interesting thinking about what the local community is in Santa Fe. Santa Fe is an interestingly divided town. Yeah. In like train tracks divided kind of town. There's like the east side with the sort of wealthy Anglo artist 
community, um, retirees. Let's open up a restaurant in Santa Fe from the song from Rent. And then on the other side, on the west side, are like old Hispanic families um, that Santa Fe is a very old town. So like for me, um, being culturally curious wouldn't necessarily mean going door to door in the foothills on the east side, but rather going and going to like a restaurant that is totally off the beaten path for me mm-hmm. on like the west side of my hometown. So yes. the idea of cultural curiosity might not even be about going all the way to, you know, Laos to go, you know, it could, yeah. you could be your hometown, right? Absolutely. Just stepping outside of your comfort zone. It could be your, a different neighborhood or, you know, a different city. Yeah, absolutely. Or different industries. It doesn't have to be uh, like, you know, we might be spending time with entrepreneurs. So what would it be like to meet you know, students um, in a different area or, you know, uh, interacting with a homeless person and asking them about their life, right? So it could be anything that is not your familiar environment is is a good step. When you do this and you've been doing it for a while, does do you feel uncomfortable? Never. So you for you, it's not really getting out of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is... Uh, touching other cultures and being open and more connected. Would you say that that's a value of yours to aspire to be, to have your comfort zone be connecting openly in a way that might make other people uncomfortable? Well, someone told me the other day that if you come into the conversation with openness, eventually it will bring them with you, you'll bring them with you into that state. And so... um, the worst thing that could happen is that they don't want to answer that question and then that's okay. But um, should not, you know, offend you. Or So I always, I remember when I started this journey uh, traveling around ground buses, uh, at first people, like I would think that people would not be open. But I, I remember it was like an edge that I was actually breaking through. And then once I did, then actually everybody I said hi to said hi back. There was not one time where I had a bad experience, you know, traveling around the U.S. where someone didn't wasn't kind or wasn't gentle, uh, even though we might have had completely different, you know, views. Like, never had an issue. Um, the only time it doesn't happen is if I'm closed, and th- therefore I'm met with closeness. <laughs> Do you ever feel unsafe? You're traveling. You're traveling by yourself on Greyhound buses, mm-hmm. um, taking rides from strangers, going and staying in people's homes. Did you ever feel that your safety was threatened in any way? I never felt that. I never had that experience where I felt unsafe. Um, the only time I feel unsafe is just within my own mind. <laughs> if I let myself go back to my own wounds and traumas uh, from, you know, childhood. We're not going there today. <laughs> Next time. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I never had that experience of ans- not feeling safe because I really uh, trust people and I really um, see people for who they are. So wherever I am, I just you know feel the the connection and the love. Um, and and you, what I'm getting from this is that it doesn't seem like you had any bad experiences as a mid-20s Moroccan woman traveling alone throughout 50 of the United States, or 49, I guess. You, you haven't been to Alaska yet. Alaska soon. Uh, not never. I Not once have I had one bad experience. 
Do you think if you had a bad experience, it would change your perspective of the value of cultural curiosity? Absolutely not. No, because it's not about the concepts of cultural curiosity or, you know, it's that person might have just have had a bad day. <laughs> so I don't let it. Yeah, it's, um, you know, people are generally good um, if you see the best in them. And, and it's that openness to the unknown that makes life interesting. Oh, that's a good quote. <laughs> openness to the unknown is what makes life interesting. The openness to the unknown. What is the unknown that you are wanting to be most open to in this moment in your life? Hmm. You know, I, I feel an excitement um, to be back to San Francisco and to be exposed to different to new communities, um, perhaps uh, deep in connection and friendships. Um, that's something that I'm very open to in this moment because I've been traveling so much that uh, San Francisco has always been my dream. Um, and here I am, but I feel like I don't spend much time here. So I would say being open to meaningful friendships and deeper connections um, because I feel that I can bring um, a lot of perspective, uh, considering, but we all do. And my mind is very much on the diversity and inclusion and how do we uh, ensure and increase the diverse perspectives within spaces, which is something that really, really interests me right now. Are you familiar with the concept of tokening, tokenizing? Nope. No. I think it's tokenizing. Um, tokenizing someone is when you turn them into a token of their identity and you include them for the sake of diversity, but right. not to include them. Yes. Um, and uh, I had an interesting conversation with the founders of Africa Burn in South Africa mm. about wanting to include more um, non-white folks into, into Africa Burn, but being worried about tokenizing these people mm -hmm. by you know, having their experience be limited by the understanding that they were there as a representation of their identity and how that's not real inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Do you, in terms of inclusivity, how do you, have you thought much about how to make inclusivity really authentic? Because I think it's a little bit of like, uh, the road to hell paved with good intentions. Like you want to be diverse and include people. So like, I got like a black friend and I got like a gay friend and I'm like, I'm including everybody, but there's something about that that's pernicious, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you said the word uh, authenticity and I do believe in inclusion being just an authentic uh, act of invitation, um, you know, and you don't really think about, uh, you're a little bit, you're mindful uh, to, you know, step outside of your comfort zone to meet those people and, you know, deepen those relationships. And then naturally you're starting to build communities of diver diverse communities of trust. And so um, it's less about like checkpoints and, you know, like, okay, this, this, this and that, and rather expanding your horizons and your, and your you know, cultural um, comfort zones to go talk to people who are, who are different uh, than you in their perspective. Um, not to say that diversity is it's a diversity of thoughts, of, uh, you know, age, of, um, you know, ideas. It's not just 
like gender or political views or religious views. So it's endless. I mean, there's so much in the spectrum of diversity and figure out like what is most important to you. So, and it might differ from one person to the next. Why is diversity so important? Well, I do believe in um, having diverse perspectives. So diversity, um, you know, every having people who have had that different experiences bring, you know, that bring actually innovation because we often tend to solve problems for, uh, you know, a certain uh, community and we don't take into account um, different communities. And so how do we ensure just to have a diverse um, overview of the world? So, and I, and I think the United States is a good example. Like it's a very diverse country. You know, people have come from all over the world to be to create, invent a new reality, and um, so to me, from my perspective as a Moroccan, I find the U.S. a very diverse environment. I found San Francisco very diverse. You know, there are people from all over the world. Uh, now everybody's in tech, <laughs> but it's a very diverse city. There's a lot of people from so many different countries, and that's incredible. We just don't talk about our stories of migration and how, where we left from and, you know, why are we here? So it's actually reframing and asking questions, deeper questions about who we are that will bring out the diversity. It's already here. Why do you think it happens that in multicultural societies that there's a tendency to kind of cluster into tribes and there's a, there can be some oppositional energy, maybe even some oppositionally constructed identity in relation to these clusters, these kind of tribal clusters within a multicultural society. Because I feel like you're talking about the diversity in the U.S. Um, the U.S. is very diverse, but it's also, uh, there's a lot of controversy and, and kind of infighting within Americans around tribal lines. Um why do you think that people do that? Is there a way out of that? Is there a way to kind of subvert this this instinct to tribalism? It's, you know, my my sense of it is that people don't reach out to each other. So it's, um, you know, a lack of curiosity. And we just tend to, you know, identify or find people like us. And because that's our comfort zone, you know, I feel safe if I'm around you know, like Moroccans or um, if around people from my identity, because they relate, they eat the same, they, you know, uh, laugh the same and, you know, speak the same language and so forth. But um, if I am stepping outside of my comfort, which is, you know, in this case would be like Moroccan community, then um, I am curious about other cultures and other countries. So it's, if we all cultivate, it's less about the concept, but more about if we each take responsibility and become curious and start to reach out to people who we wouldn't normally interact with, I think we're on, then we're onto something because everyone's then reaching out to each other and there's new conversations um, and new uh, things that are born out of those exchanges. And that's interesting. I think one of the ways that to bridge gaps is to find other kinds of commonalities. Um, there is a famous video of this rad black dude who was um, making friends with Klansmen in the South. I don't know if you saw this. It was a viral video. I need to remember the dude's name, um, which I don't at the moment. But he would start to create commonality 
through talking about sports and through he would like have conversations with these white supremacists and and start with an access point where he could really find something that they had in common and then he was able to over time create friendships and to have these people really let go of this odious uh ideology of white supremacy through understanding the commonality. And I, I always thought that was very inspiring. Yes, I, I love that. And it's very much what my work is based on, is instead of focusing on the themes, like the diversity, inclusion, you know, like politics and so forth, let's have human conversations and let's find common uh, common things that unite us. And when we do that, then naturally the differences start to you know, fade away. And then you're just faced with another human and you realize that you feel the connection. It's a heart and mind and, you know, soul connection that is profound. And you realize, oh, I thought this about your culture or I thought this about your, and this is an opportunity for those two people to break down those stereotypes. And it will differ because we are, there's what, 7.5 billion people? See, I can't speak on behalf of humanity, but I can speak of on behalf of my own humble experience interacting with so many people, maybe in the thousands or 10,000s max, <laughs> that um, every person, you know, because of their culture and because of how they grew up and their families and environments hold a different set of stereotypes and perceptions than the other. So then every conversation becomes interesting and it's endless. You see, do you see what I mean? It's, it's fascinating because it's not like, okay, I broke down this one stereotype about Morocco or, you know, the Middle East or German, Germans. <laughs> and then you meet another German who brings back that stereotype. It's like, wait, I thought you didn't do that. <laughs> and now you do. <laughs> so humans are fascinating. And it's less about finding the solution and more about just living life in a curious manner and see seeing what unfolds. So this is at least how I live my life is I don't I'm not attached to to the future or the past. I'm here with you now in the present and I don't know what's going to unfold from this conversation or um what stereotype have maybe I've broken down in the last 2 hours talking to you. But I think a lot. <laughs> can you can you ascertain any stereotype you might have broken down? About, you know, forceful California dudes. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, it's, you guys are, you know, you Californians are amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah? It's, That's awfully nice. <laughs> we talk a lot. <laughs> but you say very interesting things. <laughs> there we go. One can hope. When you're traveling, did you, were the conversations that you were having about stereotypes about like were they controversial were there challenges where someone reflected to you like oh I, you're i have a different perspective now um oh many times yes absolutely um i've had many people i mean but both ways i've also i've had stereotypes about people in the south or you know in new york or boston or you know people in hawaii like i've had stereotypes and then once you meet people then you realize one you know they're people and they have you know common uh, values and i think this notion of values have been the for me the the main um, kind of 
golden thread, <laughs> um, as my friend Jeff Scott would say, the one golden thread. It's what unites all of us is the fact that uh, fundamentally we are good humans. We want to, you know, do good in society, and we are doing the best we can with what we know or what we have, um, which shows up differently <laughs> in in different contexts. But um, yeah, I've had I've had that happened many times where people have said, thank you for sharing <laughs> about your experience. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> That's it. Are you optimistic about the fate of the human race? Oh, absolutely. I would not be talking about love and human connections for the last <laughs> decades. Um, I, I am. I'm very, very optimistic. I love people. I, I really do. And um, I see the best in people and I also, when I don't, I feel sad and I feel like I almost suffer. If I, if I start to believe that people are not good, <laughs> then it's confusing. It's like, then why am I here in this world? I mean, for me, the whole point of living is, is curiosity and, and exchange and traveling and exploring and sharing. Um, that's why I'm here. Why are you here? <laughs> Why am I here? Yes, in this life. Why am I here in this life? It changes. You know, I think, uh, I believe in, uh, you have the consciousness riding on a funny meat suit and your best bet is to try to optimize that funny meat suit for <laughs> the most possible wonder and connection and joy and growth. But the tricky part is, is that it's not straightforward and linear in that way. Like you can't just like be happy, inspired to be happy. You actually have to like respond to the way that life is seasoning you. And you're, you know, it's like you get the nicest wine from the grapes that have grown on the rocky cliffs. I feel like there's a bit of, you got to like work through life that way. So I don't know why I'm here. I mean, I'm here to be the best me I can be. and author that by inquiry beautiful yeah maybe i don't know I, could have, <laughs> I should have something prepared for that question uh, but i'm interviewing you <laughs> um what advice would you give to someone who has never left their country and wants to cultivate cultural curiosity you know, um, it's easy to say that travel is expensive and, uh, oh, I can't afford to go or, you know, like all these different limitations uh, that we put within ourselves. Um, I would say just go. <laughs> like literally get your passports, get your visa if you need to um, and keep applying even if you get rejected <laughs> and then go to that next destination you've always dreamt of. Um I do think um, that airline companies have an opportunity to empower people um, in the sense that you need, really need a flight to go somewhere, especially if you're moving, you know, uh, continents. So 
Um, I, I have been working with airline companies actually to get free tickets and get, bring 30 kids from Africa to the US and bring in women from the Middle East to the US. And it's been amazing to the access point when someone has never been somewhere to see that spark in their face. Um, it's one of the most rewarding feelings I've ever had. And so I do you know, want to say that those who have miles, many miles, like, can you think of one person in your life who's never traveled or left their country? Can you offer them a free ticket? Literally just give them a free flight to go wherever they want to go. That would change their life, guaranteed. And so if you have the means, just go. If you don't have the means, just ask <laughs> and go. Well, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> it is simple. It is. You know, I, the reason why I traveled, you know, over 50 plus countries was because I was never afraid to ask um, people for, you know, a flight or a, a grant or funding or, uh, yeah, actually it's asking because you need each other to do anything. Um, you need people to interview, to have a podcast, <laughs> right? So you ask people. It's the same thing with travel and cultural curiosity. Just, you know, ask and be curious and when you hear that little voice in your mind that tells you you can't do it, just stop listening to it and just elevate and and go. <laughs> go! <laughs> so how are you going to, how do you see your service of this mission of inspiring cultural curiosity to develop in the coming five years, 10 years? Where, where do you see yourself investing your time and energy to support this mission? Thank you. I uh, love that. Thank you for asking. Um, my, of course, vision would be to democratize uh, travel and human connections. So my first step right now is really around uh, engaging communities and connecting people within each other, you know, offline, online and offline. But my future goal is to work with airline companies and start to gamify, you know, the whole experience in which they can unlock a free flight or they get a discount for their next trip. So it's this notion that you can connect, create a sense of belonging and um, true you know, authenticity wherever you go in the world and feel like you're home. So you can stay with people in their homes. You can have a meaningful conversation. You have a free flight because you have hosted 20,000, you know, 20 people. So there is a way that um, I'm still, of course, uh, in an evolution uh, with Voyage and it's changing and evolving. Uh, it's, you know, it's an amazing journey in itself. But um, in five years, my hope is that people are, able to travel um, around the world and have meaningful, authentic connections, just like the one we are having right now, <laughs> um, and feel at home, feel, feel at home wherever they go. I would be remiss if I did not ask this question. What's the coolest thing you learned from Burning Man? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, it's possible. My whole vision and mission is happening right here. <laughs> and so that realization was awesome. And people, yeah, just the openness that I felt um, from everyone I met has really given me so much hope about this vision that I hold. Uh, that we hold, that we all hold. It's our mission, common mission, to bring peace and 
understanding and connection in the world. So it's actually, yeah, it's realizing, oh, I'm not the only one <laughs> doing this. There's a lot of amazing people out there working on the same mission. So um, I really look forward to collaborating uh, and, you know, co-creating synergies and making magic happen in this life. Yeah, Burning Man's an interesting one because there is some, there are some issues around inclusivity with Burning Man in the sense that it's kind of like a word of mouth thing and it's right. very grounded in sort of affluent tech San Francisco. There's like a lot of that energy, but there's a lot of other people that attend and it's a global event. And as far as breaking down boundaries between people are concerned, I love... I love the idea of the challenge of the burn and how it brings people together. It does bring people together. Yes. Um, my friend Josh, our friend Josh, you're friends with Josh also. Josh who? Uh, Gelfin. Gelfin? Oh, hi, Josh. <laughs> yes. Is that, is that how I say his last name? I think so. I, well, I hope maybe. I didn't get it wrong, Josh. Um, he says Burning Man is um, contrived hardship to expedite bonding. Wow. Yeah. That so is you're, wise. You're out there just doing your best in a harsh environment. And the fact that you can't do it alone means that you have to break down some boundaries and ask mm -hmm. for some help. And Absolutely. You know, there's no money. So you're walking by a camp and that camp's got some soup and yes. it's getting cold. Exactly. You got to get in there. Get and you need soup. a like a warm, you know, coat because it's cold <laughs> at night. Are you coming to Burning Man? Yeah, every year. Amazing. This Me too. My, every year. year. <laughs> I um, love Burning Man. It's changed my life. Burning Man is great. Well, so how can we support you? How can we follow you? Where should the listeners of this podcast go to know more, do more? Well, if you uh, feel inspired, I am open to having coffee. <laughs> Just any audience member, anyone yeah, listening? Literally. literally. Any, yeah. Okay, so I can put your like personal <laughs> phone number in the show notes. and then. But you only if you're inspired and you feel moved by this conversation. Okay. <laughs> So that's a high. So that's kind of a you know a high bar. If you are not inspired, please do not. Please do not. Call well, if you're looking anyone. for inspiration, then well, I don't know if I'm the right person to. Well, who knows? I'm open to cover. You know what? We could host dinners at oh. my house and bring people together wow. and have a conversation about this podcast. You know what I like about you is that you're like more of a go get 'em person than me i'm like well i did the podcast like I, I did a thing i helped someone somehow people can listen to me talk but i like you're like how about your audience can come for dinner yes <laughs> and you can actually bring you like we could do a pot um, potluck style because that's what cheryl and i have been doing whenever we go around the u.s we ask the people the guests to bring a meal and the dish because it actually tells a story about where they come from Oh, Which is like really cool. That. It really deepens the connection as well because everybody gets to share what they brought and then we talk about our cultural, you know, food. You know, it's really helpful to have like triggers. Um, something that I've been working on lately is when I introduce two people to each other, yes. I, I remark on something that I like about them. That and like, I, It's like, oh, this is my friend Jeremy. He's like an incredible yoga teacher. I actually just did a yoga class with him where I felt like a warrior. You know, and then and then I introduced him to someone who's this like investor who's like, I actually need to be doing more yoga. Do you take private clients? And then all of a sudden, there it's like it's all happening. Yes, um, it's the and, best. Yeah, and I think like having uh, having something <laughs> to remark on is a great way of bringing breaking down boundaries and having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. I dress funny, so people yeah, comment on that. I love your outfits. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, food, 
you know, travel experiences, um, but, you know, this new, like, exploration around migration. Because we talk about, you know, immigration being this huge topic, but once we break it down to where do we come from, then you realize we've all migrated, even if it's neighborhoods or homes or cities or countries, you know? So how do we just share our stories of migration? Like, my birthday this year was amazing. I, I brought 20 of my favorite friends I have many amazing friends, <laughs> but those are like top 20 <laughs> incredible humans. And we talked about our stories of migration. And literally, I was like crying by the end because I was so moved by everybody's hearts were so open. They were sharing about being from Canada and Venezuela and blah, 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 and Texas and, you know, New York. And like, and it's just like, wow we are here. We are already like a diverse global community of amazing humans. And it's right in front of us. Can you see? I think you need a podcast. What? I think you need a podcast. I feel like these stories of migration <laughs> would be a wonderful thing to capture in perpetuity. And this is a great format for that. Yeah, well, I'm going to call in on Cheryl Winnerick, who's probably listening right now. And we shall begin our podcast, maybe in Georgia this week. Really? We're heading to Atlanta to meet with community there. Well, the rig I'm using, it's a Zoom H6 with XLR cables and two SM58 mics. Pretty standard for All like right. an on-the-road podcasting rig. As long as you have a pretty clean audio environment, it gets, nice. great, um, gets great audio. Um, this is like the Tim Ferriss rig. That's why. I have but do you think people listen all the way through? Do you think that people have gotten with us to this point? My guess is that anywhere from 40 to 60% of the people who started the <laughs> podcast get to the end of it. And the Amazing. reason is because I look at the metrics on my podcast. So. <laughs> well, I feel so. Hey, you must be listening. <laughs> I just want to say hi. Thank you for listening. You are like, I don't know what your life is, but thank you. Thank you for being here. And for existing in this universe that is vast. <laughs> do, um, do you want people to connect with you? Of course, I'm and, open. And where, where can they reach you? What's your preferred method of inflow? Email would be best. Um, so my, my email. <laughs> you can say it verbally. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because then it could like bots can like scrape yeah, that. Exactly. Or I don't know. I don't know the, yeah, I don't it's know true. technology. Like all these technologies yeah. these days. But you can say what your email is and then they can. <laughs> okay. Well, if you, if you'd like to connect with me, uh, my email is Yasmin. That's my name. Y-A-S-M-I-N-E at voyage, V-O-Y-A-J dot com. Oh, that's pretty straightforward. That's going to be easy. I wonder who's going to email you and what they're going to say. I know. I'm curious. Yeah. If you do email, Yasmin, please mention <laughs> this podcast. And, yes, um, right. <laughs> so that and I maybe, maybe they can share their stories of migration with you. That would you. be amazing. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Tell me where we'll, you're from and your story of migration. And then maybe we'll have like a dinner or something. And then we can host a dinner. Like, okay. Ideally, 12 to 20 people is the best. All right. Um, so first 12 to oh, 20 people. And you know what my view is? <laughs> Is that? The Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, yeah. I've been to your place. It's which is view. where everything started. Which is where it all started, crossing the Golden Gate Bridge and realizing that the potential was limitless. Yes. And I thank Jeff Scott for making that happen. You know the thing about limitless potential? Um, I feel that life is not about things being limitless in and of themselves in a sort of like absolute sense. 
but that there are horizons that appear to be boundaries and that there's a cathartic moment when that boundary dissolves and reveals itself as a horizon. And that there's something that's glorious within that. And were it just to be the vast, infinite scope of everything available in every moment, we wouldn't have the exquisite pleasure of surmounting challenges, obstacles, and limitations. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's valuable to be grateful for these blind spots and stereotypes and and limitations that mm-hmm. that you have that you can't see because there's going to be a moment whether it's through glorious travel or whether it's just through talking to people of other backgrounds in your hometown that you're going to watch those walls dissolve and feel the catharsis of deep human connection. Absolutely. You got it. We got it. We got it. Yeah. We figured it out. We figured it out. All there right. we go. <laughs> we solved something. Well, Yasmin, I love speaking to you and I love you and I'm going to have you on this podcast in one year (laughs) and I am going to talk to you about all sorts of deeply personal vulnerable things. Great. I can't wait. So there will be a part two (laughs) of Yasmin's breaking down of barriers. Except next time it will be Yasmin's breaking down of barriers about Yasmin. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you so much. Lots of love. Thank you for joining us for the Life is a Festival podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can support it by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us a review letting us know what you thought. Or you can share it with your friends. Please visit eamonarmstrong.com, that's E-A-M-O-N-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G.com for more content about festival culture and personal growth. Have a great week. So, how'd the podcast go? Amazing. How are you feeling? I feel great. Very inspired. Thank Good. you. Good. I feel elevated and ready to keep going. Yeah, that was um that was fascinating by the way, that whole yeah. experience. So Tell me. So, okay, so what I do with the podcast I do lots of things. I just I got a podcast. We do the whole thing, and then there's the how'd it go thing at the end. Oh, so I after the music dies down for the wrap up, if anyone has stuck around, they can hear us talk to each other about whether we thought we did a good job, which I think is super fun. <laughs> nice. Um, that was fucking crazy. It was wild. That was fucking wild. Like and I was, I went through like a whole spiritual journey right there. Well, I had to stop the mic because I realized how incredibly uncomfortable you were, and <laughs> I. It's my favorite thing to do, to be like, let's get into the gunk. Like, let's get into this stuff you don't want to talk about. And uh, trust me, I won't publish it if you don't like it, but let's talk about it. And it was interesting for me. I felt like I was being weirdly, and I I don't think, I think you probably don't feel this way, but I kind of felt like I was a little bit like being a bully. Not like a bully, but I was just like, no, no. well, what about this? And you're like, I don't, I can't talk about that stuff. Be like, but what about this? I can't talk about it. Yeah. No, I, it was great. It was honestly great. And what that did for me is made me realize that there are some issues and topics that are still a little bit sensitive. And, um, and that's okay. That's okay. Because um, there's so much I want to share. There's so much I have experienced in my life, uh, things that I love and things that I dislike and things that I'm angry about. Uh, And I want to be able to share that. Uh, But I know I believe in the right time and the right space. um, And and we will. We will. Just not right now. Well, this podcast is evolving. Yeah. And um, this this may be the last episode that will be called Life is a Festival. Um, and what I'm moving towards is less how can we make our life a festival with openness and play 
in the context of a special space where openness and play is curated, i.e. a festival, but rather how can we simply live in openness and play in and of itself, not with this tie-in to that that's a festival. Mm-hmm. And it's an important distinction. Um, and um, so the point of the podcast now is to help my guests um, not only reveal and share their authentic, vulnerable selves, but actually discover through conversation. So, Absolutely. That's amazing. 